Remember the old saying that half of all advertising is wasted? What if artificial intelligence could predict which half that is? I'm Tanya Hall, and joining me is RJ Tallier, founder and CEO of Pattern 89. Welcome, RJ. Hey, thanks for having me. So what does Pattern 89 do, and what prompted you to start the company? Yeah, well, at Pattern 89, we power every creative decision using AI and machine learning. And I started the company after working for 15 years in the digital marketing space. And in the digital marketing space, ultimately, marketers end up saying, um, I guess this will work, or I think that we should have a guy in a gray t-shirt with glasses and brown hair in front of a window, or they'll maybe go to an A-B test to try A versus B, maybe a guy in a gray shirt versus a guy in a green shirt or a yellow shirt. And I kind of got tired of that. And with the advent of some of the NLP as well as computer vision capabilities, um, figured out that we could actually predict creative performance with over 95% accuracy, negating the need for any sort of A-B test or gut-based decision-making and marketing. Instead, we can predict and um, started playing around with some of the um, AI machine learning and found out that we can actually predict it. So that's what started Pattern 89. Pattern 89 released a report titled 21 Big Ideas for 2021. Explain some of the predictions offered in the report and how you arrived by them. Yeah, well, we're we're really at the you know the beginning phases of the adoption of artificial intelligence in the ways that humans make decisions and um, our uh, our latest report really wants to inspire marketers to try new things in 2021 um, we have a team of data scientists and data analysts that look through um, over 235 billion creative data points. And we aggregate all of that data based on over 2,100 brands who've connected their Google, Instagram, Facebook, and other accounts to our platform. We tag all of that data with 49,000 creative dimensions ranging from, is this a man or a woman? Is the, does the person have glasses or a beard? Are they smiling? Are they, are they in front of a window? Um, all of these different um, uh, uh, computer vision driven techniques, as well as tagging all the headline body copy using natural language processing, looking at sentiment, those types of things. And because we have over 11 years of historic data across this massive data set, we can spot trends as they emerge and as they decline. So what's trending up in terms of hex codes? What's trending up in terms of images or videos or aspects of images or videos and what's trending down? And by publishing that data, we can inform marketers to try new things, um, negate the need for an A-B test. And of course, it's a great um, opportunity for us to share the learnings from the data set with the world. The report findings are actually very specific, right down to colors, images, emojis, and text yes. recommendations. How do you validate the predictions? Yeah, well, all of our predictions um, are validated using a holdout set. And so our data scientists, they'll make a prediction. And then we actually have real-time data that comes back every single day. So we can understand prediction, result, 
prediction, result, prediction, result. And because we have trained that algorithm over the last four years, we're learning every single day, what is the accuracy level of those predictions? So because the data comes back real time from those platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Google, and others, we can connect the prediction with the actual result. And we've, um, you know, we started out at around 70% accuracy about three years ago, and we've, uh, we've um, gotten it up to about 95%. So um, we're, we're back testing all the predictions to make sure that everything that we're talking about from emoji to sentiment to the inclusion of certain hex codes um, or image or video components are actually driving results. That's a lot of information. And it, there's the question that we always ask, how do you manage privacy and ethical transparency? Oh, well, those are two, I think those are two different um, uh, concerns, um, both of which are very important. And we track all of that um, um, with, a, uh, with a number of different ways. From a privacy perspective, we don't have any PII or any sort of credit card information. So all the data that we have is about the creative and the performance of that creative. So we don't know that Tanya saw it or that RJ saw it. We just know that the, the creative and the performance of that creative. So we derive all of the creative dimensions from that creative and then attribute it to a performance metric. So it's not, we don't have a privacy concern to deal with because we're not including an individual human. And with you know the cookie-less future, iOS 14, all of the California privacy stuff, like um, we're actually in a really great place because we've never even touched the audience side of things. We're instead about creative. And which will be kind of the lifeblood of um, uh, the future. Now, ethics are a huge, huge concern when it comes to AI because we need to make sure that we're getting around human bias there. And um, we have a team that um, raises all sorts of ethical questions. We talk about ethics every single week um, in our team meeting and anybody on the team can raise a question, um, which has led us to remove all um, racial or ethnic markers from our data set, for example. Um, because humans have inputted those, we don't know um, uh, if the machine, or we know that the machine's not able to discern between something that's potentially um, uh, stereotyping, or it's something that's going to provide a disadvantage for someone. So we've just pulled all that data out because somebody has to decide whether me as a person, whether I'm uh, a certain color or a certain background, and machines just can't do it. Um, right now. So um, that's an example of one of the ethical calls that we've made from an AI perspective, because we need to make sure we're building ethical AI, honoring privacy, and ultimately fueling humans with creative decision-making data that uh, they can't find anywhere else. What does the data tell you about how important video marketing will become? Oh, it's huge. I mean, it's, it's just huge. We are unfortunately becoming a little bit uh, lazy in the way that we want to consume our information. We don't want to read it. Um, and um, instead, we want to consume it in a video way. Um, um, video historically has been a lot more expensive than image-based or text-based ads, but we're actually seeing those cross. And we believe in the beginning of this year, we're going to see the cost for a video ad equal the cost of an image ad. Now, what's interesting is that image-based ads still get a higher click-through rate than video ads, but we anticipate that also to change this year. So videos have been historically expensive to produce and not, not as performant. But again, we're going to see that cross the image-based ads because of some of the new techniques and tools that are out there that make it cheaper and faster to produce and create videos, as well as just the market demand. We as humans want to consume that content. Um, 
our, our data actually shows us that the, that the optimal length of a video is between 35 and 45 seconds. So oftentimes you'll hear people say, well, our attention span is like a goldfish or something like that, you know, like five seconds, but we're actually seeing the best performing videos between that 35 and 45 second rate. So it'll be interesting to see um, how that trend evolves. How has consumer sentiment of COVID-19 visuals changed? Oh, it's, I mean, like everything else, it's been a wild year influenced by the pandemic. Last March, we saw a 600% spike in the visuals of masks and of people hand washing or washing objects. Um, we also saw a 48% um, decline in the use of groups. So it went from groups of people or multiple people to just a single person. Um, and then also we've seen um, kind of a sad stat, which is now that over 38% of images and videos now include a mobile device or some sort of computer or tablet because we're all suffering from kind of loneliness and we're all using that mobile device or tablet or gaming system. So, I mean, it's almost 40% of those images and videos now have those devices in them because that's how we're doing it. Now, we're also seeing what we're doing in our lives. We're also seeing some inspiring things um, because the um, increase in the imagery of lakes, mountains, hiking, outdoors, tents, um, those types of activities has just spiked this summer, our last summer, and we're anticipating that to be the same here this year. So while we're a little bit more alone, there's a lot more selfies, we're actually seeing people alone in nature and outside. So that um, has really improved everyone's results. And um, we're going to continue to watch uh, the consumer trends in, 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 the COVID, um, in the COVID world. What do the models tell you about the winning and losing ads for the Super Bowl, for example? When we when we look at uh, the, the the big game, as as we call it, um, there'll be some interesting uh, winners and losers that we predict. We're also, you know, we're of course tracking some of the advertisers who have fallen out of the Super Bowl this year, who decided not to do it. I think that'll have some major trends on it. But as we look into um, the the things that'll drive the highest click through rates, we're going to see things that'll improve your click through rate, like TVs and pizzas and puppies. Those things will always be winners. But um, we're actually seeing things like salads also driving performance up. And like I mentioned earlier with the electronic devices and everything, we're actually anticipating phones and mobile devices to also improve click-through rates. Whereas we're anticipating hot dogs, ice creams, uh, kitchen scenes, that thing, those types of things to really decline your performance. And it's oddly specific, but based on 11 years of historic data, looking at just this time frame, we can identify what's trending up and what's trending down. So that, those are the, that's the quick summary. Salads are up and ice cream is down. Well, I almost hate to hear that in some ways. <laughs> it sounds like data scientists and analytics experts are going to be in strong demand for 2021. Yes, I, I think that's uh, true in, in all sorts of ways. And um, we need more and more people who can understand how to mine giant data sets you know, we talk about data lakes and these giant data sets, and it's become more than any marketer or business person can run an Excel macro or Excel query or a fancy pivot table on. Instead, we need um, people who understand how to ethically and empathetically build machine learning models that can mine this data at scale and at the speed at which the world's working. So um, data scientists are gonna become even more and more critical as we get more and more data that can't just, you just can't manage with a human. So um, I'm excited for the future of data science for sure. RJ Tallier.
founder and CEO of Pattern 89. If somebody wants to find out more about this study or connect with your work, how can they do that? Sure. Check us out at pattern89.com. You can get access to the uh, study. It's a free download. Thanks again for joining us, RJ. Thank you. And find more of my interviews right here on YouTube, iTunes, and Spotify or at tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching. Thank you.